You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to this special episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Angelica and I'll be your host. And joining me as always is my wonderful co-host Ryan. Say hey Ryan. Hey. (laughs) So this week we will be talking about Handmaid's Tale episode three titled Useful. Um, And I definitely think that was an appropriate title for the episode. Everybody had their usefulness, whether it was Serena. Yeah, they nailed it on that one. (laughs) Yeah, whether it was Serena, June, the new Martha, Sienna, even Nick. Um, So we're definitely going to get into it. But uh, I just wanted to kind of start off with our first thoughts. So, Ryan, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was a very manipulative episode. (laughs) for them you know i just thought it was very manipulative and my favorite my i know you're gonna break it down so i won't do too much mm-hmm. of it but the last scene was my favorite the one between serena and um june or like the very very last scene the very last the very very last okay one. yeah lots of as you she's in the, um lawrence's kitchen i think it was or the, yeah the lawrence household kitchen okay. i think june yeah yeah june was serving face as you like to put it <laughs> that oh, yeah yeah that last episode yeah i like like i said i like like this episode because it was very true to the title not that the other episodes weren't but in this mm-hmm. case almost every character in this episode had some form of usefulness or you know presented why they were useful in this society so that's why I, I just really enjoyed the different dynamics um and I enjoyed like seeing the inner workings of Gilead um which we'll touch on later on in the in this episode but yeah I actually you just said last week was one of your favorite episodes I think this week was one of my favorite episodes yeah I just feel like the more details they give I love it the more they get me out of this like where I'm just so mad at how oppressed these women are the more they get me out of that and give me like the backstory like Mm -hmm. I want to know more of why they think this society is how things should be and why it works like this is the more I get excited about like where this series is going exactly yeah I'm I'm very excited to kind of see this like world building and you know how everything came about um, so yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to to kind of dive into this episode. But um, first things first, I just wanted to touch on this. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, um, but someone sent me a DM of <laughs> a uh, birthday celebration. Um, apparently, Kylie Jenner, she's this big you know party queen. She does throw pretty awesome birthdays from what I see on Instagram. But this right. one, I'm gonna say, is pretty tone deaf. Apparently. <laughs> um apparently her best friend is a huge fan of the handmaid's tale and i get it it's a great show um very entertaining but i just don't think the handmaid's tale is an appropriate theme for a birthday party (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I don't, yeah. As I was just like, <laughs> um, weird flex, but okay. Like it just, it's like the impression of women. What party you put at the birthday party though? Like that's what I'm stuck on. Like what? I gotta see. Like maybe I need to look at the Instagram post or something because I'm like, what is that the birthday party that you want from the show? Which is weird to me. No, it would like the impression of women. I just don't think is a good birthday theme. Like it's almost like, uh, like you know the show run. Um, what was it underground? That's that's you know show on the yeah, other yeah, 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 yeah. That's like me having an underground theme birthday party. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, let's all dress up as slaves and you know, have a great time. Like it's just completely tone deaf. Um, and you know, I have nothing against the Kardashian Jenner clan, but I have you know, it's it's not um shocking for them to do tone deaf things. But I'm just like, yeah. you guys mo- half of y'all, actually most of y'all are married to black men all have black children with the exception of Courtney. Like I need you guys to be a little bit more woke and, you know, to make better decisions <laughs> in the things that you do like this, then um, Kendall's like Pepsi commercial, like get it together. All, all of y'all. Yeah, they, can I add something to this? And this is also something he brought to me too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Um, Where's this guy? Let me find it real quick. Jo- um, George Johnson. Did you have that? Do you remember that? You remember sending me that? That uh, tweet he sent out that white women love oppression. Yeah, <laughs> they, they. And I was like, I, at first I was so mad. I was like, you know, I'm not obviously I'm not gonna understand when I'm woman of color, mm-hmm. so I don't. You know, I'm I'm mad on the other level where I don't I can't believe he tweeted something like mm-hmm. that because I don't think I don't think you could find a woman that wants to be oppressed. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, I think, but yeah, I think he might have been coming off with this, what you because I didn't see this, I didn't uh, see this Kylie Jenner birthday thing. Yeah, I, I feel like a hit. I mean, he basically that was his, his caption to Kylie's birthday uh, party theme, but it's more more like like the the going back to the tone deaf thing. Like white women don't realize some of the things they do. It's kind of going hand in hand with the, the oppression of women in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In relation to this tweet, and if we put his tweet with what you just presented, I could I see where he got it right. from now. Yeah, but at first, just seeing it by myself, I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I think I said I didn't know that if the the other tweet, his retweet, didn't attach. But yeah, basically, he was just saying like, just white women they kind of live off this stuff. And it's, I mean, like, not to get too into it, because but but this this show is about women. It's about yeah um, women, and uh, I think a big complaint about the feminist movement, particularly when it comes to white women, is that they're all for equal rights unless it involves women of color. Like they're they're almost always like silent um uh what's the word? Silent conspirators are the people that really are oppressing us because they don't stand up for us. They only stand up for themselves. So right, right. you know, that all kind of ties together. Um with this show, um there, I would say there'd be more of an equal playing field. I, I, I mean, I, I don't see such a big difference between white and black. I think it's just all women are oppressed. But I think it's a good indicator to let you know women out there that aren't um, as supportive of the black community of this of a Hispanic Latino community um, to understand that like this could all be us at one point. Like no matter what, no matter the color of our skin, we're all women and we all need to stick together. Um, so yeah it shouldn't be this division between you know uh between women pretty much like there shouldn't be a difference in when you stand up for women's rights it's It's all all like you're saying it's all women's rights like it's not about color like because if you put women in a room 
nine times out of ten, the guy in the room is the first right. person they're going to listen to first. It doesn't matter. You know, they're not concerned about, oh, you got a white woman over here. You got a Latino woman over here. Right. You know, a black woman over here. The guy's the first person they're going to turn to thinking he's the one that's making everything happen and in charge. Exactly. So uh shout out shout out to uh women out there let's all stick together it's not about yeah it's not about our color at this point thing from the hands maze tail take the right thing from the show <laughs> yep there we go we got a little deep into it um <laughs> I mean, you know, you gotta a little deep you know you gotta get a little deep sometimes yeah. Angelica, you know absolutely i'm with it um so le- yeah let's so let's get into the episode itself but yeah th- this is what i love about the show is that it's right for our current political climate um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I think you're supposed to be comfortable. Yeah. It, you know, when you're watching, you know, you're supposed to be talking like having the discussions we're having because it's not supposed to be a comfortable thing to see this on television. Exactly. Be like, oh, you know, it's great. Yeah. Hence why it's not a good birthday theme. Uh, yep. <laughs> so we start off this episode once again with a June voiceover. Um, she's standing in the square and there's Martha's hanging. There's like a, a whole crop of Martha's hanging. Um, and obviously with word of the escape of Allison, who was a Martha, um, obviously people needed to be made examples of. So what Gilead does is, you know, they really do oppress you. You know, if you think there's an out, they'll find a way to shut you down. So that's like, okay, so you guys think you're going to help in this resistance, going to help people escape. Okay, bet. I got you. We're just going to hang everybody. So... (laughs) Right, right. No questions. We're just going to hang people. Yeah, we're just going to hang people. Um, so, you know, June notes that they hang them for heresy. So if you see whenever someone is executed, whether it be on the wall or in a public place, um, even noticed last week um, when they went to the laundry uh, district that there was Martha's hanging you know, from the building. So there's, you know, yeah. the, the public executions or, or public showings of bodies very much like they did, you know, back in the day in medieval times, you know, they, they hang and quartered somebody and then they like stuck their head on a pike and, you know, set it mm-hmm. on the gates of the city. RIP Ned Stark. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I know. Pour it out for Ned. Yeah. Pour it out for Ned. Um, but basically, so June is um, observing, trying to figure out, if it's Cora up there, she doesn't, but she's not able really to tell if it's Cora because they cover the faces of the people that they execute with, um, with a, with a burlock sap sack. And then they put like a symbol on it to show, you know, why they were executed. In this case, they were executed for being heretics and there's an upside down cross. Um, so June notes that, you know, they're being hanged as heretics, because they can't say they're a part of the resistance because officially there is no resistance. Um, They don't hang them for helping people escape because officially there is no way to escape. Um, They hang them as heretics, not martyrs because martyrs inspire, um, inspire and heretics are just stupid. Um, So June wonders if she's stupid. And then she kind of thinks to herself, um, if I'm going to survive this, I'll need powerful allies. Um, So, you know, she's kind of confronted with the reality of being part of a resistance. This potentially could be her one day if she were ever to be caught. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return right after this brief message. You know what I love? My cats. I love it when Coco cuddles up underneath me at night. I love it when Carmelita paws at my arm to get my attention. They are the most adorable cats. You know what I don't love? Cleaning up after Coco and Carmelita's litter box. 
which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It is 100% dust free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box? Stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Yeah, and I thought it was really powerful, so, the fact that they don't, you know, there is no resistance. You know, we're just doing everything right. Nobody has any problem with this. The fact mm -hmm. that, you know, you have the higher-ups, which is how you do it, you know, which is basically how it's always set out. They have, they want to believe, you know, the only way they can keep it going is if they believe, oh, everybody's just so happy here. They're just stupid if they don't want to go along with this. So I thought that yeah, whole thing was very, very interesting, yeah. It's very real world, very, um, you know, in the past, Nazi Germany, um, a current example of that would be, you know, North Korea, um, you know, propaganda, make it seem like everything's okay. And the people that do get killed and the people that are punished, they're, they're bad people, they're heretics, not, oh, they were actually trying to live a better life and escape this oppressed country. Right. Um, so yeah, very true. Uh, so then we got cut to the Lawrence home and we watch, um, there's a new Martha in the home. Her name is Sienna and she's kind of a klutz. Um, so they're kind of, it's Martha, uh, Martha, it's Sienna and Beth kind of waiting on Lawrence. He's eating. Um, and June notes, like, I wonder what it's like to be watched by women. Um, you know, and she thinks, you know, these women probably think to themselves, um, if, if they're useful, if they're safe here, if he likes me, you know, all these things that run through your head when you're serving such a powerful man. Um, and she even kind of says like, Cora wasn't useful. Cora, was, Cora wasn't safe. Um, and so they're actually all preparing for the commander's meetings. Apparently, um, Lawrence does not like to commute. He does not go. <laughs> he does not go anywhere when there's a meeting. They come to I was him. Like, what boss moves? Boss all day. Um, he's very high. I mean, he is this, essentially the engineer of Gilead. So you know, he calls the shots, and the commanders kind of bow down to him. So if there's a meeting, they have to come to his house. Um, so all the Marthas are rushing around. Um, Sienna, you know, she's cleaned up wine that Lawrence knocked over. Then she gets herself dirty in the process. And once again, Lawrence just likes the f with people. <laughs> he's just like. He's like, uh, isn't a basic, you know, necessity of a Martha to be clean? Like, wouldn't you say that's the case? And Sienna's like, oh, like she's like a little beat up puppy. Yeah, and she so looks she... so sad. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, oh, this girl isn't gonna make it here. Uh, yeah, because she <laughs> so, he asked like, I hate when he asks those questions. By the way, because it's like it does have mm -hmm. a little comedic element to it. But I'm like, do you really want them to answer that question? Like, do you really want to answer that question, or you just want her to start crying right there because she got some hard dress? Yeah, his questions have, to us as the audience, they may start off funny, but they always have, like, this scary undertone. Like, yeah, because I'm like, I is just, he being, like, commander right now? Or is he just wanting to get, like, another comedic moment in? That's why I'm always confused. Yeah, he... He, I just, he's just somebody. He's something else. That's all I can say at this point. Other commanders are confused. Makes me even more nervous yeah. for him. <laughs> he's he's yeah he's an enigma like aunt lydia doesn't like him to be honest uh commander waterford really wasn't a fan he's just you know as we said earlier he's very hard to read um and people like that are dangerous oh yeah so you know i can understand why everyone's kind of on the, on their toes around this man so 
they're all in the kitchen at this point. Um, Sienna has basically been dismissed, like, get out of here. Um, <laughs> and they're in the kitchen preparing, <laughs> preparing for this big meeting, you know, making food for these commanders that are coming in. And June um, basically tells Beth that Cora was not hanging. Cora wasn't up there. Um, so they just kind of assumed that she was shipped off to the colonies. Um, and then Beth is like, well, or June is like, did you hear any news, you know, as far as the resistance is concerned? And um, Beth's like, no, we haven't heard anything. And then they basically come to the conclusion that anybody that really that was instrumental in this resistance is probably hanging right now. Um, I was like, so man. I was like, when well, you could, yeah. even though you know that as an audience member, you're like, mm, that's true. What are they supposed, yeah, like, this supposed is to do a- now? Yeah, this is a very scary world, but I feel like this is something that's commonplace. Anytime there's a resistance, you know, you're going to have to have some type of hierarchy in place because you're going to lose people left and right, you know, when you're in this type of oppressed society. Um, And so, you know, they're all basically trying to, I guess, reform this resistance and at the same time remain safe in this household because at the end of the day calls back to the episode's title they have to be useful or they will be disposable yeah um they'll be disposed of and lawrence seems to be testing all of them in the house like he's just like you know he's he's going in on sienna he's going in on beth he's going in on june um so he's seeing you know if they're worth keeping which is you know kind of scary um yeah it's like i don't you need to do more to your job like be useful to me yeah yeah basically he's he's a very pragmatic man um so the commanders all meet up um and you can hear them t- as they're coming in you know having their seats they're speaking on like a shipment of women and you know the agricultural con- co- colony and you know whether or not they should be doing any salvaging which essentially is you know mass murder they're they're picking from this group of women useful women um the rest gets gets sent to the colonies um so there's that and then um as they're all entering in you know june june is like nosy you know she always is on the cusp of these (laughs) meetings she's always hanging out in the hallway or in the doorway outside where people are talking so she's pretending to be busy and she sees commander waterford um and they approach each other and she's you know she's like oh you know first very formal very pleasant um you know like oh blessed be the fruit and you know praise be and i hope your your wife is doing okay i hope you're doing okay and then she cuts to the chase like um june's very uh what's the word for it i can't think of the word she's very calculating yeah she is so yeah yeah, so the point of her talking to him really wasn't to say hey what's up i miss you it was more like so what dirt do you have on lawrence like what can you tell me about this man um because she starts off very sweet like you know if it wasn't for you i I, you know i wouldn't be alive you were so you know merciful and but look in this house i don't have you no more i need something to help me survive this man (laughs) so i was thinking i was like if friends buy this i got this guy like i just i got a problem with the fact that he's so just like like just so gullible and then i'm like are you serious right now he didn't get it didn't help but i'm just saying he's very easily manipulated um he's one of those men you know show show him a little leg you know yeah, show him a little like, cleavage okay, so what information you want to know let me write it down for you you know right. <laughs> let me eat out of the palm of your hand <laughs> um so so you know he tells her um he's a dangerous man essentially um he's a survival he's not sentimental like me um he does not like to be bored okay and then um, Lawrence interrupts them and he's just like, oh, you guys know each other, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy. And Fred's like, yeah, I know her. Uh, <laughs> and then 
you know, he, he goes about his business. And then uh, Lawrence basically asked June, like, hey, you working hard? What exactly are you doing? You know, he's like kind of like, once again, he's testing her. He's filling her out. I don't know what for, but, you know, he did it earlier, right before the commanders came in. Um, June, you know, does her little attempt to be charming. And she's like, oh, sir, can I open the door for you? <laughs> he was like, I don't know. Can you make your own decisions? Right. Do you and know the like, penalty? Yeah, I'm like, come on now. What is he trying to get at? Obviously, he likes her because I feel like she all the stuff she's done up to this point, he, she would be gone. But it's just right. so confusing. Like, just want to get to that moment where you figure out exactly what he wants her for. It's crazy. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Um, yeah, so he's just like, Yeah, do you know the penalty for a for a handmaid to open the door of a commander's home? And 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 June's like, uh what what would be an easy question? Like, yeah, I'll just open the door, no problem. And then you think to yourself, wait, is there a is this a crime? Is it a crime to open the door at a commander's home? And so she kind of stops and he's like, Aha, I knew it. You can't think for yourself. And it's like you can't win for losing with this guy. Yeah. So like what like what where where is he getting at? Um and he's he basically plays games with June throughout the entire episode. So, you know, as these um commanders are all meeting and talking about, you know, what they can do to make Gilead better, um, you know, Sienna was originally out there serving and she's dismissed because apparently she wasn't pouring wine fast enough. Um so, I was like, Oh my god. I was like, Did he really just tell her that in front of all those commanders? Yeah, poor Sienna. She can't catch a break. So he asked for June. So they're in there and they're talking about, you know, salvaging and, you know, why women are useful. Some of the commanders are like, no, there's no point in sending them out there to the colonies. It's a slap on the wrist. Um, so one thinks, well, you know, the uh, the only other alternative to the colonies is is execution, you know. So uh-huh. some of these commanders are like, no, nah, kill them. Like, there's, there's no point. So, you know, um... Lawrence is saying like women can be useful and so he kind of you know as June is serving says hey June you know not June hey uh, you Ofra uh, of Joseph you know weren't you once a copy editor and um June says yeah I used to be mm-hmm. and he's just like okay so you know what can, what books are out there about men and women um and she goes you know this is a very dangerous game he's playing with her because she's in a room full of commanders right um she can't really talk about her past experiences her education her intelligence that's not something that women in Gilead do so um, think about what happened with, with Serena last season when she just read a few verses from the bible her finger was cut off so and this is a wife June is just a handmaid so he's just like you know um what books are out there so she she kind of beats around the bush, beats around the question and says, there are many books out there. And he goes, what about the Deceta Man? You know, I think I have a copy. Can you pick it out for me? Now, women in Gilead are not allowed to read. So June has to pretend like she doesn't know how to read to get this book. So all Commander Lawrence does is kind of directs her like, okay, it's up, you know, it's up on the shelf to the left right next to the blue one like you know like she's a little kid yeah. and he kind of humiliates her but at the same time like june can't say oh there's the descent of of men because she's not supposed to be able to read which is ridiculous considering all women could read before this so anyways <laughs> um it's just a very dangerous game he's playing he's trying to debase her he's trying to humiliate her i don't know where he's getting out and he even has her like get on her knees to hand him the book yeah um like oh that was the most torturous scene because it started off okay but you knew it couldn't stay that way because obviously you can't be in a room full of commanders and this handsmaid is talking about like you said her past and 
um, you know, like what she can offer. But it was so like, I'm like, why though? Like, why are you even like, even if you wanted to make a point, you, you're, you're high enough authority where you could just say, no, we're not going to kill him. Yeah. No, like, I don't feel like she added anything besides the fact that you just wanted somebody to laugh or whatever. Yeah. And even as she walks out, he says, um, see, women can be useful and all the commanders laugh. And you can see June, like, wants to punch something. Uh, right. <laughs> so, and then even Nick, like, as this scene is... Um, is playing out nick is actually posted up in a corner and he's watching all this happen and he's like scared for june like oh my god what's gonna happen and then you can see a visible sigh of relief as she walks out um but this was a very tense scene for me and i'm just like what does lawrence want like where is he getting at with this why is he testing june like this but you know we f- we figure out later on the episode exactly what his intentions are yeah um so we cut to Serena. She is on a beach, sitting on a piece of driftwood, smoking, um, I guess, contemplating life. Um, and her mom comes out. This is the first time we've seen, like, a mother of somebody in Gilead. They, from this point on, they're all, like, adults, um, you know, late 30s, 50s, you know, around that age range. I've never seen anyone's parent. Um, so Serena's mother comes, puts a blanket around her, and she's like, you know, so glad you're here. You know, we're having a prayer circle. Um, all of my friends would love to see you. And Serena's like, Serena's not, not in a mood, okay? Her marriage is in pieces at this point. Her house literally was burnt down. I mean, it was her fault, but her house is gone. She doesn't have any clothes. You know, she misses Nicole. Like, this is not a good time to have a party, mom. Uh <laughs> So, you know, her, you know, her mom's like, you know, I have clothes for you. Like, you know, it'll be good for you. Come on. So she goes inside. She borrows some of her mother's clothing. clothing. Um, you can see her, you know, there's Rita, you know, good old Rita. She's, um, she's tailoring her outfit. And then, you know, her mom comes in and is like, okay, they're all waiting for you. So they, she goes out into the living room there's a there's a prayer circle like literally um there's a woman sitting in the middle of it and you know we talked about this before how the u.s there's there's some type of environmental disaster to the point where there's radioactive land out out west um and as a result the population got sick they 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 became infertile so here's a a representation of that there's a woman who apparently is suffering from the effects of uh from radiation she's has some type of cancer you know her hair is falling out that sort of thing so they're praying for her and praying for her healing and then when serena walks in you know the pastor's like well does anyone else need prayer and he has serena sit down and they pray you know for the return of nicole so you know serena's on board with this one and then they pray uh for the you know the repair of her marriage so at this point serena's looking up at her mom like you did what now (laughs) you're gonna tell all my business Oh, my business on Front Street. Serena is not happy about that. So, um, you know, she she's very upset. And actually, let me let me rewind because I actually missed the point. So right before she goes into this prayer circle, um, she does have a little moment of encouragement. Um, you know, Rita's helping her tailor her dress and then she gives her something. It's like a almost like a leather prosthetic and it's like dyed blue to match, you know, her clothes. That's that's what wives wear. They wear the color blue. And it was a very sweet moment. Like Rita has a, a soft spot for Serena. You know, this is her mistress. And at this point, Serena has softened up 
because before she was smacking everybody around in that yeah, house, including <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say that was so nice, Arita, because she was definitely smacking her around like a couple episodes before, or like last <laughs> season or something. I'm like, yeah. I didn't even think about doing something like that. Yeah, so she, you know, she gave her a little prosthetic so she's not that self-conscious walking around missing her pinky. Um, and then she says, you know, you'll get through this, ma'am. And uh, by his hand. And then I think Serena has a cute line there. She's like, well, what's left of it? So I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we go back to the prayer circle. Serena's upset. She's looking at her mom like, I know you did not just put my business out there. And then we cut to Fred. So Fred's giving this speech, oh, you know, ap- apologizing, you know, saying how much he loves Serena, how, how lucky he is to have her, how he's nothing without her. He'll be a better man, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a very sincere apology. You're like, OK, Fred, look at you stepping up. And then he turns around and is like, well, how was that? He was practicing his apology to a Jezebel. So he's yeah, literally I'm like this guy. This guy, like, I'm like, he probably slept with her and everything. It was like, all right, now yep. sit down and listen to me, you know, apologize to my wife, see if it sounds good. So I'm like, this guy, he just. <laughs> and you know, she wanted to get up and she was like, but you know how the rules work. She's sitting there like, you want to, you want to go over it again? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's thinking, you know she would leave that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, this guy has no shame in this game, but I mean, do what you got to do. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, being a commander is also very much about um, your image. So, you know, who would he be if he didn't have Serena at his side? It just doesn't look right. So he, he needs his wife back. That and the fact that Serena is a very intelligent woman and she was one of the reasons why Gilead became what it was. She was one of the founders of Gilead, to be honest. Um, so he needs his wife by his side. So, I mean, I don't know if that apology is going to work, but he, he, he yeah, tried. Yeah, he's right now. So we go cross our fingers for him. <laughs> cross the fingers um so we go to the study um commander lawrence is in the study he's basically saying like he the, the real work has begun um because it's hard for him to get work done with people around him like yeah i'm glad they're gone now i can really get down to my work and it looks like he's um he's salvaging he's trying to figure out you know which women are that are bound for the colonies which which of them is is going to be useful so he's like do you think an accountant would be a good cook you know he he tells that to june as she walks in with his team now um june is using an old trick right now you know she's uh, looks like she's trying to seduce commander lawrence it worked with commander waterford you know you know she came in his study gave him some tea talked intelligently to him you know used her feminine wiles on him and she got what she wanted Mm, yeah that's not gonna work with joseph lawrence um he and you know he he's funny he plays with her too so she walks in and she's all like (laughs) sexy and seductive and he's like i just think you're a good people person like i think you're great with intimacy and he's like two inches from her face and they look at each other and like june looks like she's about to like kiss him and even in her voiceover she says like i'm not proud of this but i gotta do what i gotta do So it looks like they're about to kiss, and then he's like, "Ha! You think that works? You think he's like, <laughs> you think he's like? I can't believe that actually worked on Fred. Like, mm, he he's not a, what do you call him a a mental giant? And he's like, and neither yeah. are you. Like, you're not as clever as you think you are. Um, which made me so mad because I'm like June. Come on, I th- see. I think June is smarter, but she just I don't know. I feel like she's stuck in her Waterford ways. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like she can't see the bigger picture right now. Yeah, like she, she's trying to bring that low game, and it's like I'm gonna need you to step it up. Yeah, she's she's trying to old trick on someone that it's it's not gonna work. This is a different dog. Um, so you know, <laughs> and then he even makes a good point. He's like, I don't understand why women don't want to be defined by their bodies, yet they use it to get what they want. 
Right. Um, and he's like, I don't think the Waterfords realize how transactional you are, which is true. She's very calculated and she does use her body to get what she wants. And then he's just like, you know, you basically ruined the Waterfords. Uh, Fred got demoted. Uh, Serena was defingered. Uh, Nicole was kidnapped. Their house is in ashes. Um, and he's like, you know, do you think they got what they deserve? And she says, uh, no one in Gilead gets what they deserve. And I just think this scene was so awesome, like how it played out. It's probably one of my uh-huh. favorite scenes to date. Um, so we base, and I just love, you know, they have a really long, interesting conversation, a lot of back and forth between them. So, you know, we learn, or so we think, we learn of his true motivations for helping the resistance. Because June's like, okay, you know, People don't get what they deserve, but I think you're a good person. You do good things. And, you know, she's like, you know, you help with the resistance. You're basically running this out of your home. And he's like, you know, I let the rebel rousers, you know, blow off some steam. Otherwise, they're going to smash everything to bits. So he's basically saying, like, let them have their little resistance here and there just to kind of keep them, you know, occupied and happy. Um, So that's why I do that. It's not because I actually care or I want to help. Um, you know, and he says he helped Emily because she was unnaturally smart and she was going to be wasted in Gilead. You know, she would be useful to the world. And then, you know, he tells her, you know, if you were smart, you would have left too. So he's a very pragmatic man. Um, yeah. what, what he's doing is he's trying to replenish the human race by any means necessary. So, you know, if he's doing these horrible things, he's excusing that with the fact that he's helping the world become a better place. You know, he just he doesn't care about the method or how it's done. It just needs to be done. Which um, I feel like that's everybody's line in that yeah. thing, in that situation, though. Like, it's like, are you really helping? Like, is that really the way you need to go about it? But, you know, him, him and June do a lot of back and forth on that, I feel like, mm-hmm. as the episode continues. Yeah, you know, her, his heart is in the right place, I guess. Um, but he has a terrible way of going about it. Um, so once again, he kind of chastises June for leave for staying behind. And June's like, I had to stay behind for my daughter. I'm her mother. And he's like, no, she has a mother who was a good woman who never stole anyone's husband, who was out here organizing food baskets for starving orphans in Africa back when they were actual orphans. You know, she was she's a good person. He's like, what were you doing? Um, you were over here editing useless, you know, exoteric books that no one was going to read instead of picking up your sick daughter from school. Um, and he, and then he's like, well, like when he broke all that down, I was like, man, yeah. Um, he basically, and he, he literally calls her useless. He's like useless. And we talked about this last week, how, you know, June wasn't a good person and he's not telling any lies like what he said is very true um it's a hard truth to swallow but he's right you know what was june doing to help the world you know what has she is she a good person back in the day no she actually wasn't she stole someone's husband you know she was very much about herself to the point where she wouldn't even pick up her kid from school because she was worried about you know being at work so you know, no lies told. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously yeah. perverted. It's obviously, um, it's obviously uh, the narrative that's being put out there is being put in a way that's making June look bad. But, you know, June, June is a layered, complicated individual. But I will yeah, say. Cause I, yeah, because I don't think she totally, I'm playing devil's advocate because yeah. I don't think June is totally, you know, like, okay, yes, yeah, she has some things in her past that it's like, you probably shouldn't have did that. You know, mm-hmm. that could have. You know, it's kind of coming back to bite you now. But at the same time, some of that stuff, I feel like is kind of like, is it on you to really judge her for that? 
And so you get to make this decision. Right. You know, but like I said, that those things were used to make her a handmaid. The reason why June is not a wife or not an Econo wife is because, um, well, Luke escaped, but she could have been remarried to someone else, to a guardian. She wasn't. The reason why she wasn't was because she was the second wife. Um, she was an adulterer. So as a result of her quote unquote past sins, she was turned yeah. into a handmaid. Um, you know, I'm gonna be honest, June to me, I probably would not be friends with June in real life. She's not a likable person to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really don't like June that much. I mean, I, I do like her, but I mean like her old so like maybe June now, I would probably, you know, kick it with, but June before the war, I don't think I would like her very much. She's kind of seemed to be about herself. Um, you know, and I'm not down yeah. with the side chick movement. So I don't, mm, I don't know if me and June would have been able to have a drink together. Um, but, you know, as I said, those things that we've done in our past will be used against you in this type of, um, this type of society. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm more see, yeah, I think I'm more on her side, like you said, because of where she is right now, because I absolutely do not think you can be in this Gilead, like you can be in Gilead and not work the way she works yeah if you if you want to get at like you know unless you're just happy unless you're just like truly sipping drinking the kool-aid and you're truly with it i don't think you can survive without that mentality like i don't think if she doesn't work the way she works she's gonna die in gilead like this is gonna be her mindset you know until she's dead if she doesn't do something about it either you work to get out or you just you know join them one or the other right right um, so you know june shoots back at him at this point and she's like well you're the you're the one that was actually writing this these useless esoteric books um you know if no one had read your books we'd be you know we'd be in a better place right now um and she's like you know how does it feel seeing those numbers actually translate into real people you know real people that are dying um and then she kind of says like you know the reason why you hide away why you lock yourself up in this home is because you know, you feel guilty. Like, this is how you sleep at night. You do, like, nice things here and there that, you know, to kind of ease your conscience. And um, once again, uh, Lawrence is a very complicated character. He's like, oh, how nice is it inventing a humanity in anyone? Like, he's basically saying, like, you're inventing a humanity in me that isn't there, sweetheart. Um, (laughs) Like, I do what I do, and I do it for a purpose, for a reason. Even things like saving Emily, even things like allowing that resistance to run in his household. It's not out of the goodness of his heart. It's for a reason. Um, so he's like, all right, take a ride with me. So they take a ride. Um, they enter a warehouse where hundreds of women are caged awaiting extradition to the colonies. And, you know, once again, we've talked about this, how The Handmaid's Tale is kind of like an allegory for today's society. like you know you'd have to be blind to not realize that that warehouse looked a lot like an ice ice detention center you know right <laughs> like, yeah yeah like it gave me you know immigration vibes all day um mm-hmm. you know and and instead of grown women being locked up in these cages they're they're children um so very um sobering thought there um and so he brings her there and he tells her that there's not going to be any salvaging um they're all headed for the co- for the colonies um, but he's managed to arrange for five women to be requisitioned as Martha's and he makes June choose. He's like, you know, here's their files. It tells you their occupation, their education, um, 
you know, any moral smudges on their records. And then he was like, that's kind of dumb. Like, who are who are we to judge, you know, what's morally right? Which is kind of calls back to what you said earlier, Ryan. Like, you know, kind of sucks that June was put into this place as a handmaid because of what she used to do. But like, who are we to judge who, what she did? Um, yeah, it's just like you can't, the way they break down jobs in Gilead just makes you just kind of sick to think about yeah. because you're just like, you know, you kind of think about, well, if you're in that society, how can somebody say, okay, this job that you do didn't help? It didn't contribute to anything. Yeah. You know, because you weren't like that scientist, that doctor he was looking for then we're just going to send all of them, kill all of them, but you could pick five. Yeah. You know, pick five that you think have a job that can help you out or something. Yeah. Uh, although in hindsight, him asking her to choose those five Marthas um, may have been for a greater purpose than just um, picking five Marthas. Um, so we'll... we'll t- yeah. I, and I was wondering, yeah, well, yeah. Go ahead. I'll let you, because you'll probably get yeah, back to we'll it. Yeah, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it later down the episode. But um, he tells her, like, here's their files choose if you don't choose five they're all gonna die and june's like i refuse i'm not doing this i will no one deserves to die i will not be responsible for picking people up out of this no like you are the reason why they're dying gilead's the reason and he's like okay that's a that's a whole technicality um i don't think it will really matter to these five women that you could possibly save so june's like nope i'm out i'm not doing it deuces so she gets in the car (laughs) um so that night, uh, June receives a visitor. So Beth opens the door, um, and it's Nick. And he's not there to see Beth, even though they used to have like a thing back in the day. He's there for June. Um, so he 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 speaks to June. He tells her, you know, he's he's here to say goodbye. He's been promoted to a commander. So I'm like, ow, shout out to my boy Nick. Went from driver, you know, <laughs> car washer, chauffeur to uh, he's now a commander. Um, so you know, this is his due. Um, so June's like, okay, great. You're a commander now. Okay. Like get me out of here. Get me and Hannah out of here. Like, what can you do for us? Right. I can't do anything. (laughs) Well, she's like, (laughs) so she's mad at this point. She's like, well, what can you do? Like, can can you tell me some more information about Lawrence? Like he's a psychopath. Like I need help. Like I'm not going to survive this. And he's like, there's nothing I can do. I'm being sent to the front in Chicago you know and and june's like that's a death sentence like you're gonna die out there and he's just like well it's what i gotta do so he's like i'm just here to say bye and she was like bye <laughs> i was like rude <laughs> um so he walks out the room but he posts up outside her door and then she kind of feels bad so she she kind of she you know she takes his hand and they hold their hands for a second i'm like oh and then she pulls them into the room to give him a proper goodbye uh <laughs> So I'm like, I mm, wonder if they made another baby that night. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so the next, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that's how I got. She don't need no more babies. No, no more babies. Look, that's how I got my daughter. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> saying goodbye, reuniting, say goodbye. That's, that's dangerous. Um, but anywho, <laughs> so, um, so the next morning, June gets another visitor. It's Serena. Wait, wait, wait. I got to oh, stop sure, you, Angelica. Sure. We got to go back because you got to talk about Serena's mother. Okay. We got to talk oh, about Oh, wait. This. Hold on. We got to talk about why she. Oh, yeah. Why, why her right over was, that. Like, not feeling nothing at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, I only brought you back because I wanted, I wanted to like dish a little bit on why her mother was just oh, not yeah. helping yeah. at all. In this yeah, moment. I got my visitors mixed up. Okay. Let's back up, back up, back up, back, back. So before, <laughs> before Serena visits June, <laughs> um, she's still at her mother's. Um, so she basically 
she's outside crying in the rain just being dramatic and she comes inside to get some comfort from her mother and she tells her mom like i'm fed up like you told all my business and you know she's like you what do you you want me to return back to fred and uh she's like yeah you're nothing without him um you need to go back to him and she's like no mom you don't understand what he was doing to me like what we've done and she's like i'm not trying to hear it that's none of my business you know go back to your husband so serena breaks down and cries and her mom's like oh my god serena get it together just because you don't get things your way you're just like a spoiled little girl like get it together i'm gonna run you a bath pull it together go back to your husband um and then she's like you know this is the worst feeling in the world seeing you know your your own child suffer and then serena's like no it's not the worst feeling like just being all crybaby and um her mom kind of tells her like okay you know what you're not about to indulge in these feelings any longer you gave that baby away and she wasn't even yours and then she walks away and i was like well dang mama <laughs> yeah i was like no hug no she's Nothing. just like this is stop being dramatic. You know, you just need a bath. You know, it's fine. Don't even worry about a nothing. Pumpkin soup. You know, white girls love pumpkin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, I was like, man, her mom's mean. Like, no sympathy, no nothing. And she tells Serena, you have like all these gifts and you're wasting them out here crying like a little baby. Go back to your husband and be useful. Um, I feel like this is the beginning, like a little inkling of why she might have helped create the society. Yeah. Just because her mom is just like, I don't know, she just like so by the book, like you expected a hug or something. Like she could have, she maybe she could have delivered it while she was hugging her. She was just Stop like, crying. I don't understand what you, yeah, she was like, I understand what you whining about. Yeah. Just move on. Um, yeah, her her mother is a uh, very pragmatic. <laughs> um, I was like, man, no wonder Serena just like caught where she caught up. Yeah. At. I was like, you man. can see what shapes Serena into who she is. Her mother is probably worse than serena her mother is very cold um and you know in a moment where serena's vulnerable she needs love she needs attention her mom is not having it like wipe your tears honey take your bath have your pumpkin spice soup and go back to your husband end the story um yeah so yeah so you know she doesn't take her mom's advice (laughs) the next day she goes to visit june um and you know they have a cute little moment they reminisce about nicole and you know june's like well how do you remember her and serena's like i remember her in the bath she loved the water um and june's like oh i love when she used to raise her hand like she was trying to make a point like a politician And and i think she gets that from you and serena's just like that's not my child and then june kind of tells her like only a real mother would be able to do what you did for Nicole. Um, and just, you know, just yeah. imagine what you could do to help all the mothers who've had their children stolen from them. And, you know, Serena's like, I, I, I'm not that person anymore. I can't do it. You know, Serena's been beaten down pretty badly. Um, she, yeah. she, you know, she's humiliated by her husband. She lost her finger. Her mom basically put her business out on front street in front of all these people. She doesn't have the, she's not as strong as she thought she was. And then June's there, you know, June's like coach. June's there to encourage her. And which is, I love how their relationship has progressed since the beginning um, of the first season where they were at odds with each other. You know, Serena was slapping June around half the time. They were constant. (laughs) They were basically like bitter enemies, Um, you know, like the main chick and the side chick, you know, and now they're 
you know, uniting right. and they're, they're they're putting up a united front and, you know, June is encouraging Serena and vice versa. So June just tells her, like, you're so much stronger than you think you are. You know, these men are not out here for us. We only have each other. Um, and she basically encourages Serena to basically do what she can on her end to earn her power back, to get her power back and to make a change. Um, and so we cut to basically, it's kind of like a, a montage of both Serena and June becoming useful. Um, so June ends up choosing the Marthas and, you know, she just didn't choose anybody. Um, she chose five Marthas to join the resistance. Basically she's re-upping on the ones that were lost. She chose an engineer, an IT tech, a journalist, a lawyer, and a thief. Um, so, you know, maybe Commander Lawrence really was helping her out all along. Like, I don't know. He's so hard to read. Um, yeah, because I'm like, did he know that's what she was trying to do or what was going to happen? Or is he just like, he just wanted to try to give her like an opportunity. Like you say, he wants useful people yeah. around him where he didn't want to have to do it. So he was yeah, like, hey, you we do don't it. know his motivations, but regardless, June found a way to make herself useful. And it wasn't to please the men. It was something useful for herself, for the resistance. Um, and then she kind of even yeah. gives a little encouragement to Sienna. She's like, hey, Sienna, you, you know, you survived another day. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Sienna will be involved in this resistance. Um, and then, you know, Serena chooses herself. Instead of choosing Martha's, like June, Serena chooses herself. And uh, I, I think she kind of has like a rebirth. She goes out into the ocean and she, I was like, oh my God, she about to commit suicide? Like, she's, you know, she, take, she takes off her blues <laughs> And she takes off her little um, prosthetic. And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to put rocks in her cape and drown. <laughs> but instead, it was almost like a baptism. Like she goes into the water and she rises back up and she seems changed. And she comes out of the water and, you know, Fred's on the shore. He's there to offer her like a, a coat. And she just walks right past him. Like she's like, I don't need you. Bye. Um <laughs> And um, then we get a voiceover of June and she kind of um, gives out a plan. You know, this is this is what we'll do. We'll study the men. We'll feed them. We'll please them. We know everything about them, even their worst nightmares. And one day we'll become just that, their worst nightmares. One day when we're ready, we're going to come for you. And then she serves that face and we cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the episode. Um, a lot of good stuff. Literally, the face was last my favorite scene. That was, that was it. Her serving face. Yeah, that was it. I, I just wait for the face because it usually just sums up like what you were feeling mm -hmm. the episode. Yeah. <laughs> just like why right now this is what her face always yeah, means definitely. to me it was a really good episode um so look forward to next week let's see what the what serena and june have up their sleeves um yeah and i i really you know like i said we're only doing one episode at a time but there's a few more episodes out there but don't worry guys we'll get to it we'll we're going to cover this whole season but i'm really looking forward to talking about next week's episode um you know we we see more of emily we see more of the inner workings of gilead janine comes back aunt lydia's back so it's gonna be a, a great episode yeah when i saw lydia was in there i was like oh yeah she got God. a power chair apparently from the previews <laughs> so hell hell on wheels um so we'll talk about that um but i have a kind of like um, a proposition for our listeners um from our followers um so i was thinking you know in watching this show you kind of become very introspective and you think to yourself if i was in the society if i for some reason got stuck in gilead what would i be 
So yeah, I'll share, we'll share ours. And then hopefully next week, you know, tweet at us at black girl nerds, um, at black girl geeks or at BGN podcast. Tell us what you would be if you were in Gilead. Um, Ryan, so what would you be? Who do you think Ooh. you'd be? Um, and why? I see. Who would I be? I, I would probably, I would probably be like the commander. Oh, wife fancy. Okay, Let, let's explain why. Uh, now, see. Okay, now I now see I don't have like a so far I don't have like a crazy past uh-huh. that I think they would look at where they would have to be like where you would have to be a um a handmaid. Uh, what am I trying to think of? Yeah, handmaid. Um, but see, I would want to be in that position only because like it's like only somewhere you can move though. But I feel like in Serena's position, if she doesn't just come straight out into mm-hmm. like one of their meetings and it's just like, well, we need to have this. There's certain tools that right. are at your disposal that they're not going to okay. pay attention to. So I feel like in that in that way you're kind of in that position because June is just like trying to play all the wrong mm-hmm. moves that she doesn't have. But as a commander's wife, they're they're looking right. at you, but they're not. Okay. So that gives you a little bit more insight. Where I think that would be cool. I don't know. I, I think the Marthas are like. I mean, they kind of get the bad end of stick when nobody pays attention to them. But I also think they're kind of a a useful group too in this society where people are always like in their business as much like they can kind of get away right. with a little bit of stuff okay all right blue is your color that's fine <laughs> um i don't know where i would fit in because i'm not sure how they would treat my situation like i know for a fact that i wouldn't be a martha because i'm not infertile marthas are all infertile they can't bear children because i i have a child i have a six-year-old uh-huh. so I, I can make babies i'm, I'm fertile right. over here um like i literally took plan b <laughs> to have my daughter uh, before when i thought I was gonna get pregnant with my daughter and she came anyway so like I'm fertile uh-huh. she's meant to be here um so but at the same uh-huh. time this society is very um religious um so I'm not sure you know I, my, I I'm not married to my daughter's father um you know so technically she's out of wedlock so would they you know say well she had she's fertile she can have kids but you know she's you know she's having kids out of wedlock so you know would they make me a handmaid because of that or would they overlook that and maybe you know because I am fertile uh make me a wife or maybe I'll be an econo wife where I would just be married to a guardian you know because Having outside of me having yeah. a kid out of wet, like well, I don't really have any dark, you know, morally, uh, you know, wrong past. Yeah, you're not a gem yeah, level. I'm not a still nobody's husband. So, you know, maybe I would be a wife. Maybe I would just be, you know, a, a basic Akana wife where I would just, you know, be a regular woman taking care of my husband. Uh-huh. who's a guardian or or an eye and you know i'd wear gray or you know maybe i would be a handmaid because i did have a kid out of wedlock um i don't know um i probably yeah that, that's what's crazy about the society that's gonna crazy. Go. yeah um so you know i actually would like to be um now outside of a wife you know I th- who i think has more power than a wife i think an aunt has more power than any other woman in gilead yeah see i thought about that too but then i was like i don't well, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter what you, it obviously doesn't matter how you feel about it. Cause I was going to say, I thought about that, but I don't, I can see myself getting real sick to my <laughs> stomach or something, you know, like if I have to be the one that does mm-hmm. the disciplinary stuff yeah. that, like they do, like everything else is fine. But the discipline, I just, I could just see myself getting real. Like I would be the worst. Like mm-hmm. I'll be Sienna within the aunts and they would just like <laughs> cast me to the side or something. Yeah. Like if I was so in basically- there. Cause I'll be real sick to my stomach trying mm-hmm. to like, 
you know, torture somebody else because I think they did right. something wrong yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, ideally, I would like to be a wife. Um, I obviously would not be able to be an aunt because I, I can have children. So I think best case scenario, I would be a wife. Worst case scenario, uh-huh. I would be in ha- a handmaid. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna leave that as a worst case scenario <laughs> yeah, for so. everybody. Because I just feel like you just get. I just feel like unless you're June, where she's still just like having the time. It's just it's the worst. Like I just don't see any way to to work because you know they're mm. washed all the time. The clothing is like just so you can find them all the time. Yeah, I'm just so like, uh, fingers crossed. Honestly, if anything like Gilead were to happen, that you know my my ass would get over to Canada. Um, I wouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what. Just, you know, just go to Canada. That's what the yeah. answer needs to be. We need to be in Canada. Or, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm I'm half Puerto Rican. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think they'd be able to get us out in Puerto Rico. I'm, I'm going to just go home. Just go hide up in the mountains somewhere. Um, so There you go. Yeah, there I mean, it's go. US territory, but, you know, as, as Trump put it out there, there's lots of water around it. So good luck getting us out there. <laughs> so right. yeah so so listeners and followers out there on black girl nerds um if you were part of gilead whether you're a girl or a guy um based off your past and based on what you think would um would be your your defining characteristics what uh what role would you have in gilead would you be an eye would you be a guardian would you be a commander would you be a wife a kind of wife martha or handmaid let us know um, at Black Girl Nerds, at Black Girl Geeks, and at BGN Podcast, or you can um, actually tweet us directly. Um, uh, what is my what is my Twitter? I'm terrible. I got y'all. I got y'all. Because you know sometimes you know hitting us directly may be the easiest way. But um, at Mel and Mommy <laughs> two eight one six, um, if you want to tweet me directly or send me a DM. Um and you know what I probably can look up Ryan's too because she hasn't even accepted me yet. Um, no, you didn't accept me. I accepted you. Uh, (laughs) Oh man, I was you know what I was doing Mm -hmm. get my passport to Canada. So I'm I'm like I'm like at November Bear. So if you (laughs) if you want (laughs) to add us or I know at Black Girl Girls at Black Girl Geeks all that good stuff, let us know what you would be if you lived in Gilead, um, and we will answer your tweet or we will read out your tweets next week. Um, So once again, thank you guys so much for joining us. I look forward to talking next week about the episode, which will also be a very good one. Um, So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. Let us know. Let us know. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.